I wonder if this if this generation is the aberration or if previous generations were the aberration. When, at the time of Jesus, it yeah. seems as though there was a need for miracle signs and wonders. I, I just wonder, was anybody really ever convinced by an intellectual argument that led me to an ascent of faith? Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Demite, and I'm back here in studio with Brad Pieron yeah. and Aaron Richards. It's like we never left. It's I... like we never <laughs> left. <laughs> you are joining us for part two of a two-part series. And so if uh, you if you haven't heard the first one, go back and listen to the first one before you listen to this. But we are talking about Generation Z and uh, their, the way they think, the way they interact with uh, God, with each other, and with the church. And our last podcast was a blast. We, awesome. we got into an incredible conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where Encounter Meets Mission. Just like St. Paul encountered the living God on the road to Damascus and then was deployed from Damascus into a life of mission, we want to help uh, the church encounter the living God and be deployed into a life of mission. And so why don't we open a prayer? Brad, you want to take it? I can do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you uh, for the gift of each generation. Thank you for the ways that you've revealed yourself over time, and thank you for the ways that you're working in the church today. We pray, Lord, that as we have this conversation about Generation Z, that we could see all the ways that you're calling our generations higher and deeper into conversion. And we pray that through that, Lord, we would be able to impart that on this generation and all generations to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. So Generation Z, they are our middle schoolers, our Mm -hmm. high schoolers, and our college students. And so we are seeing this generation now in these critical, when we talk about the youth and young adult uh, church, right? They are the youth and young adult church. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the way they think and the way they interact with the church and the world and each other is critical. Um, And our job as the church is to learn how to make the gospel relevant to them. And so today we're going to kind of talk about uh, their religious confusion and how we can respond to that. Um, So I'll summarize what we talked about in the first episode, but do either of you guys want to kind of just share your thoughts from that first episode? I thought the first episode was awesome. I think um, the hinge point that I thought um, kind of made the episode was on trust and how um, trust is something that we in our world today are looking to give to things that are authentic. So we want to trust authenticity more than we want to trust anything else. And I think that Gen Z, as we're going to talk about here in this episode, um, all the percentages bear that out, that they want something authentic. They want something that's true and meaningful and sincere. And um, and that's that's what we have to bring in the church. That's what the church has always been meant to be, is the, the place where authenticity resides. So... Um, I think that was a huge hinge point for us that the Gen Z more than anything else are looking for um, people that they can trust. And those people that they trust are almost always people that are authentic. Uh, Dan, it's funny. You, you, you made that statement at the beginning that we're making the gospel relevant and we're not, we're not really called to change anything about the gospel. We're called to learn how to speak a new language. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, the, the language of um, the language of any of any community or any people is really it's guided by both their it's guided by their experience, both positive and negative. And where we focused a lot of time around was like, what are the what are the wounds that it seems that this generation particularly is carrying, uh, due in large part to the situations in the world and the way that they've been led, uh, and and that gives us a unique opportunity and also something to be you know just to be aware of, uh, and and really a lot of our conversation that blessed me was focusing around what's the interface and what's the responsibility of me as an, as an adult of us as individuals who are called to really lead and model and father and mother. Uh, at, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Excitement. I think St. Paul, he said, be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like, how, how do we be Jesus and authentically be the bride of Christ, the church to this people group, right? This young generation that has not had it easy. Um, we shared in the last episode, just the, the struggles that have marked their childhood and their generation, a recession at 9-11, that now the COVID pandemic and all of these different, and then just kind of this, this globalism, all of that impacting who they are as young people, how they see the world, how they see each other, how, how they see church and religion and how they see God ultimately. And I think that's, it's really important. Well, actually, it's funny that we, I was just in a meeting uh, earlier today and we were asking the question like, what is it that like when people think about Damascus, what is it that they think that we do best at? Because we were trying to figure out uh, just focusing more on how do we form our missionaries even better. And so that was the question that was thrown out. And uh, Aaron, you may know this woman, your wife, Monica, she <laughs> she mentioned <laughs> that uh, most people just associate us with being the best at connecting with the youth, right? That we we make programs and experiences and build relationships in a way that connects really effectively with the youth generation. And um, I think the key of that connection is just understanding them, you know, listening to where they're coming from, knowing their perspectives, knowing their their struggles, their, their but also their their what what energizes them. And how do we from uh, you know, our activities to our preaching the gospel, to our worship music, to everything we do, to the relationship we build with them, connect with them. And and ultimately, I think all of these studies, if the studies and the research doesn't help us connect more with young people, we're kind of wasting our time, right? Yeah. Well, we have to look at Jesus as the model too. When Jesus was 30, he starts his public ministry and he calls 15 and 16 year olds. Yeah. Like, and and there was an intention there that, that these um, these young men, these Jewish young men that Jesus was calling, they weren't like the future of the church, but like the vitality of what he was wanting to do right now. And when we can see our youth in that same light, that these young people, they're not just like wayward, confused people. They're people that actually are open and imaginative and can bring something to the church now. And when we invest our resource in a way that amplifies them, doesn't mm-hmm. amplify our superiority to them because we're older or whatever, I think that we can really get into something and move the church forward for sure. Yeah. Amen. All right. So to summarize the first episode, <clears throat> we're looking at Catholic News Report. They put out a, a series of Catholic articles. News Reports. reports. Yeah. <laughs> they put out all these Catholic <laughs> news reports and they were talking about just, uh, they were looking at the research from Springtide Research, Gallup, uh, Pew Research, and what are some things that we can know about Generation Z? And uh, they, they really described three major categories, right? That first one, it's the loneliest generation that we've seen so far. And that loneliness, as you 
pointed out, Aaron, often manifests itself as anxiety um, or turns into anxiety. And um, secondly, they uh, are a generation that's marked by distrust. The the previous generations have had this massive distrust in institutions and organizations. And so because of that, there's a general distrust in organized religion. Um, and thirdly, there's a lot of religious confusion in this generation. And um, it's probably marked by that loneliness and that distrust. They distrust organization, uh, organized religion and they're lonely. They don't have trusted adults that they can get answers from. So they're left to try to figure out all the answers all alone, which leads to a lot of confusion in your younger years. And so, and one of the big things that the articles discussed was that trusted adults are so important to cure that distrust, to cure that uh, loneliness. And I would say even those trusted adults are so important just to help navigate that religious confusion. Yeah. I, I wonder what you guys think of this, but I was thinking as we were prepping for this episode, when we're talking about confusion, one of the first times we see confusion in the old Testament is when they build the tower of Babel, right? That the Lord confuses, uh, the, the people. And it was because they were trying to build something that towered above God. And I think Gen Z is coming into a, a, a world where hmm. we're like, we've outsmarted God. Like we, we've thought through it all. We have, we have the science to prove it. Like, and it's funny how actually that ascent has left us more confused, not less confused. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I, I think that there's something to, um, the religious confusion that's actually a microcosm of just confusion generally. And religion being one of the deepest things that you can pursue with your life when you're confused about the world in general, you kind of tend to be confused about religion, but um, the Tower of Babel story came to my mind earlier because I was reading confusion. I was like, that's actually really interesting because the world we look at today, I think we do try to build towers of Babel. I know that I do, right? Like that I, that I've somehow like, I don't know, I've gone above and beyond. Like we, we have all the information now and, um, yeah, struggles. Well, if you throw God out, then the only conclusion is, well, then I am God. <laughs> and so, yeah, right, like, right, right, right. If there's not a dependency huh. on God, then mm-hmm. the independence leaves leads to making myself divine, which makes me feel lonely. Yeah, right. Because then I'm I'm the arbiter of the the truth, and if I'm I, confused because there's a confused, whole lot of yeah, stuff to it's deal almost, with. Almost, it yeah. seems, and, and then anxious because there's a whole. Yeah. Like, it's like, whoa, that stuff seems tied together. So yeah. Anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. that. Uh, I'm sure you guys have come across this. It's funny. One of the things that the the article had mentioned was that this generation feels very comfortable in different religions or because they, they just pick and choose anyway, what they believe a lot of times. And so they, they would feel comfortable in different areas because they're not black and white or aligned with one dogma or creed. And you kind of sometimes see that like, part of this religious confusion is this idea that like you meet someone and they, they say that they're Christian, but at the same time they're using crystals and tarot cards. And you're like, wait, I thought you said you were Christian. And, uh, and that they, 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 or that they have Christian, they say they're Christian, but their prayer methodology is Buddhism. And it's like, and, and, and there's, they almost have this blending of, or they talk about energies and horoscopes as if these things are dogmatically true and yet confess some sort of belief in Jesus. And you're like, wait, is is that possible that there's 
a divine God and yet divine energies at the same time. And so, and you see this as kind of just a normal thing as they grow up, they're just like, Oh yeah, I'll take this energy. I'll take this, 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 uh, crystal. I'll take this, uh, Buddhist style of prayer. I'll take yoga and I'll take Christianity. And I don't know. Have you seen that? Like in conversations? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There's a, I, I pulled up, I was doing some traveling. I won't say where, pulled up the parish bulletin and it was full of their yoga, uh, the parish yoga, yoga group. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to get YouTube comments now that <laughs> yeah, they're like, yoga's yeah. not evil. We're not saying yoga is uh, 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 I, intrinsically evil. I, w- I would refer you to the Babylon Bee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strong referral. Yeah. <laughs> Strong referral. <laughs> um, I, I also, I mean, gosh, it's, it's funny. We, we've had a number of conversations in my own life, I've been really blessed through uh, beginning dialogue and fellowship with other non-Catholic Christians as well. Um, I, I'm sure we've talked about this in the show before, but there was a there was a really kind of a startling revelation for me where I always kind of assumed that okay, if you're going to be seriously Christian, if you're going to read the Bible thing, like eventually. As Catholics, this is sort of our, our standard mode of operation. You've got to come to the point where you read John 6, and then you decide, okay, my my previously held practices are heresy, and therefore I need to become Catholic. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And um, it's funny entering into conversation with individuals who just don't operate that way. They believe the first half, but they don't believe that the necessary conclusion is, therefore I have to become Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I, I've... I've, I've always had a hard time kind of putting my finger on, okay, so what's broken here? Mm-hmm. Um, because clearly that, that is the journey, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder, if, I wonder if this is actually just a, a meaningful mark of our time mm-hmm. that one could think, yeah, I, I can believe fully in, you know, in, a, in almost a truly Catholic understanding of the, of the doctrine of transubstantiation. Yeah. But that doesn't actually translate to me, and I have to change my life. Yeah, or become Catholic. Right. Yeah. Well, I he- yeah. I hedge myself against being wrong. I think that's what I'm reading into this like smorgasbord of like ideas, right? So if I adopt everything and just bring different pieces in, yeah, then if one fails to be right, I'm not wrong. Yeah. Right. Like there's there's something in us in the the day and age today where there's there's um. I think there's a real fear of being wrong. There's a real, real, a real fear of making a commitment and that commitment falling short of what my expectation for it was. And so you can almost see, like, even in bringing in these d- different pieces, yeah. it's like, you take one piece, everything you were saying, Dan, take one of those pieces away. You still pretty much have the same spiritual life. Yeah. You know, like in that type of assortment, it's like, yeah, one of them can fall away and I'm still okay. Like, I'm hedging against that but i i think that um well that gets to a different conversation probably but maybe it goes into confusion is that um when we're confused we don't commit as easily Mm -hmm. right um it's not as uh all in well i don't have to go to church on sunday if if i'm able to be spiritual at home and so yeah there's not that commitment because it's and it's it's, god's not in the church he's out there you'll hear that in like modern day christianity is like he's not in the church he's like and out it's, here. It's the breakdown of um, 
trust, right? It's that distrust in organized religion. So I'm not going to commit to everything the organized religion says. I'll, I'll be, uh, I may identify as Catholic, but I'm not going to yeah. practice all of Catholicism just because mm-hmm. I don't trust that this is all true. Yeah. And and so I think there's there is something there. I think it's easy for us. How do we spin kind of religious confusion and make it positive? It's actually it's religious curiosity, right? I would say this generation is very interested in the supernatural. Like the fact mm-hmm. that they're so hungry to understand how uh <clears throat> different elements of earth and nature and uh the world can impact my life is is this religious or spiritual curiosity that leads them into it shows that humanity's hunger for God. And I think it's like, okay, you're confused, but you're curious and you're willing to talk about it, which is pretty awesome because there's nothing worse than having a group of young people who aren't willing to ask questions and don't want to learn and engage. And so I think they they may not want the definition and the dogma right off the bat, but they're extremely hungry for the conversation. Hmm. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis who said that um, if I if I find in myself desires that cannot be satisfied in this world, it only makes sense that I was made for a different world. Like when I'm curious to the point of realizing like, oh, wait, nothing actually fully satisfies this mind of mine. Mm-hmm. Nothing actually fully satisfies this appetite of mine. C.S. Lewis writes in, in just like the masterful way that he always does. He's like, well, then it only makes sense that I was made for a different world, yeah. one, one that would satisfy these things. And I was listening to a podcast the other day along these same lines, and it was um, it was the supernatural idea that no matter where you go in your life of belief, if you want to totally cast out God from everything, or if you want to choose God, you're going to have to commit to at least one miracle. Most atheist scientists that get rid of all faith, they still go back to the Big Bang, which was miraculous, Right. We as Christians say the resurrection. We'll go to there. We'll go to that, and that's the miracle. That's the one we're going to choose to believe in. Like, in, in some point, you have to go to a miracle, and then you, then you see the world through the lens of that miracle, yeah. right? So I see the world through the lens of the miracle of the Big Bang, or I see the world through the lens of the miracle of the resurrection. But what does that mean that God can do now? If he can raise Jesus from the dead, and that spirit's alive in you and me— yep then what can he do now? So anyway, I, I just think it's fascinating to think, man, I have desires, and we all experience this, that, that aren't being satisfied through all of these pursuits. So what were they made for? Well, sometimes when a miracle comes in and shows me something that's just totally other, it brings my attention to like, maybe that's what I was made for. Yeah, and I think testimony is so powerful for young people because of that, where you can like, hey, I, I was confused as well. And then I experienced this, and this is what I'm now experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that understanding that the power of God has become aligned in my life where I now understand and I have clarity in the midst of the confusion because of these experiences in my life. And, and, and there's mm-hmm. <clears throat> that lack of trusted adults. I think it all goes back to that. They don't have, they don't have people to look up to, and so they, don't, they, they haven't heard the stories of people who have gone through the confusion and found resolution in the end game of the church. Stories. Um, I, I just keep going back to that thing too. Um, I had a. I was talk, talking to an individual the other day, and he asked this question: like, is the is the leadership that I'm going to provide those individuals in my life is it something that could be replaced with a YouTube video, um, or or a book, or or is or is my relationship? where is, is my relationship what counts essentially 
And and I, I wonder I wonder what this research would show. I, I would bet that what's missing is authenticity and relationship. It's availability, yeah. not access to content. I mean, um, you know, I, I know you're a big Jordan Peterson bro, right? Yeah. Uh, he's on <laughs> I, uh, on the uh, on the the unending YouTube stream that I mentioned earlier. I've got got some good Jordan Peterson mixed into that, yeah, yeah. and it's funny, you know, his teachings are profound. And, and evoke tremendous deep introspection. But it's curious when he mentions or when he, when he refers to the type of relationship that he sees developing between typically men who are, who are, uh, who are moved by his teaching. You know, I saw, I saw a little interview the other day and it was, uh, he said, that, you know, this kid pulled up, um, he was walking down the street, I think, and a kid pulled up in a car and jumped out of the car and ran up to him. And it was just like boiling over with thanks of thank you for speaking truth into my life. And then within 30 seconds, it came to the place of like realizing that what you've spoken to me is less meaningful than the fact that like I actually feel formed by you. Yeah. And yeah. He, he walked away and then he came back. He actually grabbed his dad from the car and came back and the two of them together were like, thank you for improving our life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, thank you for changing the way that we relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it's just something I've been reflecting on that sure. that it's it's not just the great words of wisdom that we have to pass on to a generation because that type of investment is so cheap, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's the fact that like I have to be willing to acknowledge that if I'm going to be an influence on individuals, then I have to be willing to walk with them mm-hmm. as opposed to just provide content. Yes, it has to be incarnational. Yeah. Right. Like that. There's, there's, there's wisdom in that. And sacrificial. And sacrificial. Yes. <laughs> that like, and that is what like in in my mind you were talking about the supernatural, Dan. Like today, Jesus wants to be just as incarnational as he was when he was walking mm-hmm. around. Like that's that's why he left us the Eucharist. I mean, that's why the center of the church is the miracle of Jesus <laughs> representing himself to us. Right. Like, like it would only make sense that the wisdom given to us in scripture and tradition, and this fly is going to drive me crazy. Yeah, there's but, a fly flying um, around. Yeah, we should just like <laughs> recognize it, right? And get away from me. Um, but like, it, it is. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but like the the like the the ultimate statement that God made was the scriptures and the tradition are full of wisdom, but I'm going to incarnate that wisdom, and that wisdom is going to walk alongside you. And actually make sense of all of that for you. And like that's, I think, what we are called to do as ministers. Yeah, so our starting point can't be like church teaching because they have distrust in the church and they they it's not simply about the teaching. So it's not about if am I right or am I wrong. The starting point has to be relationship and and and, and go from there into the church teaching. Why don't we go into some of these statistics? Because I think they're interesting. So one of the studies they looked at was the question was, do you, this is to Gen Zers, right? Do you believe in God, gods, or some other divine source of universal energy? So this is a pretty low bar question, right? It's not, do you believe in God? Yes or no. It's like, do you believe in God, (laughs) gods, or some other divine source of universal energy, which, you know, I'm sure you could define that by a lot of different things, but when it boils down to the, the results were really interesting that um, 54% of Gen Z expressed greater doubt or disbelief in God's existence than belief in his existence. And just 23% said that they believed in a higher power with 
with no doubts. So <clears throat> you have a 54% are saying, I have disbelief or greater disbelief than I do believe, right? So more than half of our, this generation is really seriously questioning, like, I don't think this is like not like divine divinity isn't there. It's not real. And only 23% can say they have certainty. And on the one hand, it's like, well, okay, they're middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students. So maybe like that's normal, right? There is normal. Certainty is a high bar. Yeah, certainty is a high bar. Right, right, right. But when you look back at the studies from Gen X or millennials, that's where you see the stark difference. So millennials, 54% identified as having greater certainty and only 23% of Gen Z, right? So you, you almost, it was a 50% decline in just one generation. Whereas, and then this idea of doubt and disbelief being greater, you had Gen Zers were 54%, more than, more than half of them, right? Whereas it was only 24% for millennials. And so once again, another 50% increase in just one generation, which is kind of mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But to your point, it's also mind-boggling that we would think that that is what the threshold of faith is, is absolute certainty. Like, like absolute certainty and faith, like, those are actually, faith is on the other side of reason, right? Like, I am as certain as I can be, and then I take a leap. You know, I I was laughing because we had a a kid on site one time, and this was a number of years ago because I was still in our full-time missionary program, um, and he was in my small group and he was from a local high school here in Columbus. And he was just really challenging me on certainty and like, how certain are you? And like, like how much faith is it? Like how much have you reasoned out? How much faith is it? And I remember I used a, like an analogy that a lot of our listeners have maybe heard, but I think it's at least worth using now is like, we're actually kind of used to not having certainty and still believing in things in the world. Like that's not unique to faith. So I, I, the reason I'm saying that is like these percentages, I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about the fact that like, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I don't have absolute certainty over a lot of things that I believe in. <laughs> and I, I leaned in with this, uh, this kid and he was, uh, just pushing me. And I finally looked at him and I'm like, do you believe in wind? And he's like, yeah, like wind's real. I'm like, uh, how is wind real? Tell me, I, I don't believe in wind. So how is wind real? Yeah. And, and he's, and he's just like, um, you are he, he's like, he's, yeah, he <laughs> was so mad about? at me at first. But I, and I, I, I just, I, I, I think that's one of my gifts maybe is persistency. <laughs> like with this fly, yeah. I also just hit this microphone. Sorry if there's any feedback there, but, um, anyway, long story short, I just kept pushing in there. And eventually we got to the fact that he was like, I believe in wind because, uh, I feel it. Mm. I believe in wind because, um, it affects things around it. Huh, interesting. I would say I believe in God for the exact same reason. So you cannot believe in it. And I think that's just as absurd as not believing in wind because you can't see it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we had this different conversation where I, I just think that like sometimes um, we can in the church get so caught up and I need to tell you with absolute certainty that you should have no questions and you need to have it exactly right and let me tell you. It's like, no, no, no. I want to bring you into an authentic faith. Now, I want to jump into these questions. And yeah. I, I don't mean to take this as a complete aside. No, I think it's absolutely critical. But it, but it makes sense. Like, I, I, the, the question, like, without absolute certainty, with absolute certainty, it wouldn't be faith. It would be forced. 
which has a whole different well, thing. Well, I think the reason you believe in wind, and uh, just as a side note, um, Brad actually does believe in wind, right? You're <laughs> you're not a wind atheist, no, are you? In the comments, yeah. <laughs> I am a wind denier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is not. We we don't have no, our, our director of missionaries <laughs> here at Damascus is not <laughs> anti wind. I am against. I am against science completely. No, I. Uh, in all honesty, it was. Uh, a spiritual director of mine once made that comment. I had never really understood it. And it was in that moment that I actually was like, oh, this is where it could actually come out this in a way that works. makes sense. But no, I do uh, believe in wind. I felt it before. I do see it um, moving leaves <laughs> off the trees here in the good. fall time. So. That's good. Yeah. And so the reason you believe in wind is because you, you've felt it and you've experienced it, right? You've seen that what, what has been spoken about wind is actually true yeah. that it is you're seeing its effects and i think that's the solution if you will if we if, if we have a generation filled with doubt the the divine plan is to help give them an answer right that that if if God loved us, he wants us to know that he loves us. And if God is real, he wants his children to know that he is real. He's a God of revelation, right? He's been revealing himself to his people ever since the moment of creation. So he's not this God that wants to keep himself a secret. So he is eager to reveal himself in the world today. And in this in this generation that lacks uh, trust in the church, the Lord is is eager to still reveal himself in different ways. And I think the way that it, because dogmatic evidence isn't enough evidence anymore, that he's revealing himself through signs and wonders, right? It's going back to this apostolic age where just like in the early church, the the way that God would confirm that what the apostles spoke was true was the signs and miracles would follow. So they would speak words of the gospel and who Jesus was. And then signs and miracles would follow that, which gave evidence that, oh my gosh, what they're speaking is real. Mm. I believe it, right? And Jesus did the same thing. He preached the kingdom of God and people would say, well, okay, you're preaching that the kingdom of God is a hand. And now I see a manifestation of the kingdom of God right in front of my eyes because the blind man can now see what you're saying must be true. The man at the porticos is walking, yeah. Yeah, and we can't do ministry any longer for this generation, especially where we're simply using textbooks because that's not enough evidence. The kids are simply asking, okay, prove it. If you tell me that Jesus is Lord, prove it. If you tell me that God is with me, prove it. If you tell me that the church is authentic, prove it. If, and, and, and when we prove it, through allowing God to work at a miraculous power, then young people say, wow, I believe. I believe. Isn't it amazing to, yeah, because that is the response. That's the natural response to something outside of what I've understood because it, it puts me out of a place of confusion to a place of awe. Yeah. Right? Because I'm confused about what all is going on, and then something yeah. happens. And it is, it's interesting that we are confused about a lot of things, but when something like that happens, in my life, every time I've witnessed a miracle— I haven't been confused. Mm. I've been awestruck. Because mm -hmm. it's like, um, how, do you, how do you even begin? Like, where do you, where do you start at with that? And Go there's an, a wonder. I don't know. I just think going back to your um, wind analogy, imagine how miserable it would be if, like, 
you were taught about wind and you never felt it and you never saw it move leaves, right? You, and people were just like, well, you just have to believe that it's real. Like that's what, that's sometimes what we do where it's like, yeah. we just, well, just trust us. Like it, why? Like I don't see, and why would God want that for his kids? Like well, Tim, what's, he, <laughs> what's really curious. So uh, when we, when we look at the testimonies that we experience here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, even over the past 10 years, like we've seen it, we've seen a shift. Mm-hmm. And that shift is toward um, kids who are who are encountering God through miracles, signs, and wonders. Yeah, certainly, as you mentioned earlier in the last show, uh, we do still have kids. Most of the kids who who come to experience the power of God through the sacraments, and we're not saying that we need to step away from the beauty of the church, but. This is a new thing. Well, and the sacraments are super miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. yeah. No. And, yeah. But, but, but it's, it's funny because oftentimes the criticism or the suspicion, even that I feel in my own heart, is like, okay, we, I, I, can't, I can't sit by and allow you to have your faith be founded on something that's experiential. Yeah. Right? It needs to be founded on, it needs to be founded on truth. Um, and and being motivated by by the and I wonder if that is is truly just kind of a uh, an evidence of a shift of a shift of generational mindset Maybe. that yeah. that the the criticism that we that um, the conversations that we have where individuals would frequently be critical over actually giving any weight at all to an experience of God that comes through a miraculous experience in worship mm-hmm. or in adoration is is usually it's usually coming from an older crowd. Yeah, it is. But right? what, what about like prove that the tomb is empty? Yeah, prove it. Well, right? so here's a funny thought I was just having. This is this is half baked, but okay. So we started measuring and defining generations. When what did what did generation zero look like <laughs> back at the time of Jesus? Like yeah, in, yeah. in the original apostolic age, we're in the midst of a new apostolic age now. Yeah, sure. um, what what was the mindset shift of the generation of of Saint Peter? Or St. Paul, right? Right. When, when, yeah, you know, prove it. Yes. Well, you had to believe in something. It's, it's back to that point I was making earlier. Like, you're going to rest your life off a miracle. Like, because you're a miracle. So even if you get rid of literally everything and you yeah. think, um, the odds of me existing are one in two trillion, but I do exist. Well, <laughs> like, at some point, you have to stake your claim on a miracle. So whenever I hear in the church, like, we don't want faith founded on a miracle. Um, no, the, the entire Christian faith yeah. is, is literally <laughs> resting on the edge of the greatest miracle ever, uh. that the God-man rose. And, and, and he even pre-scripted his resurrection by raising others from the dead. Like, that, to me, is, is just absolute evidence that the first apostolic age rested their faith on a miracle. So in a new apostolic age, wouldn't it make, I I just think it would make sense. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the Bible, it's everyone comes to believe in Jesus through the miracles of Jesus. Like that's, that's literally the way they come to believe in him. It's through his love and then through his, his miracles. Right. And and both of those things are together. Yeah. They have to be. We don't need to draw a dichotomy here. It's all of it. And that's where probably when it comes, that's when it falls apart is when, uh, there have been miracle workers in the church or in Christianity 
who have done miracle working devoid of love, and all of a sudden that's where we become super critical mm, about that's it. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. That oh it's, gosh, it's, we could launch into the whole <laughs> history here. Well, is that an authenticity point? Yeah. My goodness, that might connect with what we were saying last episode, right? Yeah, trust me. That, that, yeah, that, that like I, I've um, – I've ex- maybe maybe you haven't, but maybe you've heard of it, or maybe you just presume that that might be the case. But like, I don't know if it's authentic. But when it's when it's not devoid of love, it's really it's really hard to uh, to challenge. Like I said, like I I am naturally a pretty skeptical person, and like even when I was first coming into the the faith in like a new way in college, I remember hearing about miracles, and I was like, that's outside my God box, man. Like I got. God is truth and God is goodness and God is beauty. I, I got the transcendentals. I think I'm I'm yeah. good. And then I started seeing them and it was like, I, I don't know what to do with that. Like I can discredit it if I want to, but that didn't seem even available to me. So it was like, it was all, it was all. And then, and then there was a choice of faith. Faith is always a choice. It's a grace, no question. I'm given the grace for faith, but then it's a choice because yeah. even in my life, there's been miracles or to this day, when I think back to them, I have to choose to believe in them. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I have to choose that I didn't dupe myself. And th- th- yeah. it's almost like faith gets interworked into our hmm. life no matter how we cut it. I don't know. It's, uh, it, uh, no, I do know. I keep saying that almost as an outside <laughs> yeah. because it does, do it does. It takes me to the edge of what I understand. It, it really does. It takes me to the edge of what I understand. So I think this is really exciting. So the 23% could look like a, a disaster. So 23% of Gen Zs believe in God without doubt or without absolute certainty like oh man only 23 percent right um and then you've got this huge number of like 54 percent of them are are doubting in a greater way so it seems like this generation is really questioning and doubting the good news there is we have a good father who will do anything to give evidence that he is real and in the middle ages the way the lord was able to reveal himself and to give evidence that he was real was through passing on information through the church teaching and that he he was able to the revelation of church teaching, the revelation of scripture and tradition was effective means for people to discover God. If that's no longer an effective means for for people to discover God, God is going to provide the solution for people to discover him. And so that solution is often going to be signs, wonders, miracles. And so we're in this age of the church where God is going to open the heavens and manifest himself in these ways in a way that is unprecedented and it's exciting, yes, it right? Is. And so it is going to look different than 200 years ago and 100 years ago and even 50 years ago because right now God is providing the solution the peop- his children need for today. And his people are wondering, are you real? He is going to delight in saying, heck yeah. Yeah. Watch this. Right. And what 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 do we say? Because I completely agree. Like I, I don't think I could agree more. I, what do we say to the people who are like, um, so I, I love Augustine. One of the big things where I have attention with Augustine is how he thinks that so many are gonna be damned. The the mas damnata, that like the majority of people are damned. It's a select few that are gonna find the path because it's like, because to me, that that doesn't reflect a father who's after the one who's lost, you know? And so I wonder, like, when when people bring something like that, right? Like, well, narrow is the road that leads, so maybe the Lord is keeping it narrow, and he's not going to widen it with, like, the miraculous. Why do we believe the opposite? I definitely say if do. If it's but... good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to make up a new model. Yep. I'm just I'm just going to believe his words that he said, if you believe in me, you're going to do the works that I did and do greater things than these. That's really good. So, I think I would say something similar. So yeah. Jesus demonstrated pretty clearly that uh, that it's it's an appropriate model to seek and save the lost. Yeah, well, that was what he, what he came to do. <laughs> well, and, but actually, it's, it is kind of baffling that you have the scribes and the Pharisees who are seeing the miracles of Jesus, yeah. and yes. yet they still want to kill him. Yes. And so there is, it is possible that it, and it, for signs and wonders to abound and you still to reject yes. it. And so I think there is an element where I, okay. I believe that God is going to unleash and is unleashing greater signs and wonders in the church today but and in the world today but that there are still people who will um, not believe them and yeah. not come into alignment of gospel truth. And, and so that's dangerous. Yeah, well, I play with th- this. Tell me what you think of this. So I, well, like, um, I think sometimes our humanity and our fallenness can fall to exclusivity, that I actually like things that are exclusive. I like things that I'm doing that others aren't. I like the band that I like that no one's ever heard of. I like the movies that I've watched that no one's ever seen. Um, but God, by his nature, has never been exclusive. He, he is, by definition, inclusive, right? So, so he's, he's always been about getting us back into that triune love. Yeah. God, infinitely blessed and perfect in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, created man to share in what? His own blessed life. He wants to include us. This so generation for, doesn't like that we have a distrust in the catechism. Brad, please don't don't yeah. quote the catechism well, I again. No, I, I'm just well, kidding. no, I just I do. I I, 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 I no, 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 no. I, I do, but I inc- I I um I encounter the more I'm doing like um uh, public ministry, I encounter these pushbacks of like. Yeah. Um, well, God wants us to, to choose a radical faith. So he's not giving miracles now because he wants us to believe in a yeah, more radical that's, way. That's BS. And, and I agree. I, I think, and, but, uh, but I, I think that's what we're saying here though, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say is like, cause I agree that I think that we're in it. I mean, I can't help but to look and see that in the ap- first apostolic age, the greatest number of miracles to build the church happened. If we're really in a new apostolic age, which every single pope for the last hundred years has said that springtime is coming, yeah. to me, it would only make sense that the Lord would pour out in, inc- in an inclusive way. Like, I want to draw you back. Like, I-, I understand you want me to prove it. I'm not doing something because, like, you are demanding it of me. I'm doing something because I love you enough to show you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? It's the father well, wants his children to know that he loves them. I think what's even more funny about that argument, just as a quick aside, is that when you look to tradition to tell you that miracles, signs, and wonders are less important than tradition, tradition doesn't support that. Yeah, that's so, really good. No, so no, no, that's a good point. I, I love one of my favorite quotes about this topic hmm. is from Vatican One. Right? Okay. Wait. Go there back. Was a Vatican One? <laughs> <laughs> so well, you recall, I of course. They jumped right uh, to two. I thought it was just <laughs> the, the methodology by which you would denounce heretics throughout history. Yeah, that was was, was to formally stand and yell anathema. Anathema. Uh, and Vatican One has it. So cessationism, which is the belief that there was a time where miracles were critical, and that time passed, and miracles ceased as a part of God's plan as a part of God's plan from the start. That view is heretical. Yeah. And 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 Vatican I says that. So if if we want to if we want to think that this is this is all some new age fluff, it's not. Uh it it has been the belief of the church forever. In fact, our process of saintly canonization r- relies on the fact that you prove it miracles. Rests on the yeah. fact <laughs> okay? of proven miracles. So so like that I I appreciate that perspective. I think where that perspective 
ultimately, what's funny is that that perspective is in large part a Protestant influence perspective. One hundred percent. It's, it's, it's almost exclusively post post Reformation. Mm-hmm. So, so you can throw that in the no, in, it, into the it, conversation. Well, it's good. And I think the just it's a good point. the the beauty is that it's happening as well, right? Like, so you can't deny the fact that yeah. miracles are abounding mm-hmm, in the church mm-hmm. today. And so the question is, Good. well, where are they coming from? <laughs> right? Like there's the, and the neat thing emotions. I misconstrued He's that. He's casting out the demons yeah. with the key. That doesn't seem to yeah. make sense, right? Like, But, but you're absolutely right. No. You can't deny testimony. Yeah. And the cool the thing spirit, is, yeah. I don't yeah. have to, it's it's not about me, right? Yeah. And so I think the right. the cool thing is like the authentic witness is that humility that I'm not your savior and my eloquent teaching isn't going to convince you of Catholicism or Christianity. I just want you to experience God's love because I've experienced God's love. And now let's pray for that experience to happen right. in your life now. And whether that experience happens through a healing, whether that experience happens through a vision, whether that experience happens through ex- encountering the peace, the joy, yeah. and the love and the mercy of Jesus, it, I'm not the one creating that experience. I am uh-huh. simply introducing you to the fact that it's possible. Yeah. Yep. Uh, can I, quick, quick story. So uh, a number of our... Uh, connected ministry partners have done have done miracle signs wonders ministry actually at new age festivals right okay where, where people will gather because they're attracted to the curiosity of the signs and wonders and at these places it's funny you'll have you'll have conversations that will go the route of okay you know they have different words but yeah i want my fortune read right or i'm, I'm going to, i'm going to the fortune teller uh or the psychic but it's clear to me that this prophetic word that you've received from Jesus is in fact more accurate than my psychic. Therefore, mm-hmm. teach me about this Jesus. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's it's completely it, it completely affirms the fact that yeah, curiosity mm-hmm. is the thing that that wins the day. Yeah. 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 And that's the powerful this generation is marked by this religious curiosity and they want they want to learn. Like the the reason they're talking to the psychic in the first place is the psychic is is leading them to an experience and uh, that that is it, it's answering their they're willing mm-hmm. to answer their curiosity and we're like no just conform to what we say and believe and and um or or else you're not doing it right yeah. right and that that ability to meet them where they're at and to talk to them and to pray with them is powerful yeah i think the new way of communication through social media and things has actually awakened a hunger for experience mhm like there's a hunger for experience like and, and you can see it like even think about what that that like virtual reality universe like that's a hunger for experience i don't want to just watch someone else living it anymore i want to live it yep. like so obviously god would recognize that okay they're hungering for experience i desire to make myself available to them yep i'm going to bring that through or maybe you put that hunger there in the first place <laughs> right and maybe it's just being <laughs> literally heightened because of the cer- like i just think yeah. times we can condemn an entire yep. like new technology or something, but sometimes it's actually just invoking in us what was there from the beginning. I was at a conference once and to your point on authenticity and humility, Dan, um, I've used this like ever since, but someone came up and just shared a prophetic word with me. It was a word of knowledge and I, I won't share it here, but it was, it was so accurate. Like it, it literally, there was just no mistaking it. It wasn't something where I had to be like, well, that's kind of vague and it might fit here. It's like, there's no way you could know that. Right. And I, I remember 
just like being taken aback by the word. And I remember the person so lovingly recognizing that it shocked me, you know, and they, they said this, they said, but, but I don't want you to think that this is from me. I just know someone who knows you really well. And I was like, that that's like the way to say it. Yeah. Like that's the way to say it. Like, yeah. because God is doing this because, because awesome. he's intimately involved in our circumstance. Yep. To your point, it's not about Brad or Aaron or Dan. It's not about Damascus. It's not about some person who wants to be considered a saint. It, like yeah. all, it, it's not, not that any of that's bad, but it's about Jesus. And he is intimately involved in circumstance. He's not far off and distant. And so when we step into the, the spiritual gifts, when a miracle happens and someone's shocked, it's an opportunity to say, like, yeah, that's how close he is to you. Yeah. Like, that's his proximity to you. That's his intimacy with you. Like, however, but I I've used that since every time I deliver a word that's on. And if I see shock, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I don't take credit for that. I just, I, I know someone who knows you really well and he, he wants to be a part of your life. When I, I like, Whoa, that's evangelization. And so what does Gen Z need? They need those trusted adults who are living life in the Holy spirit. Trusted adults who are authentic and real and humble and have integrity, as we've been talking about, who are also able to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to facilitate this encounter with God. And and I think that's one of the reasons that things are working really well here, right? Not because we're manufacturing encounters with Jesus. It's that we're building authentic relations relationships with, with young people in love and then we're welcoming them into this encounter, this experience, this Damascus moment with Jesus through the, his, the power of his Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, they're equally repelled. I, I like that you brought up cessationism. I, I say this in a talk that I give on college campuses a lot, but yes, like cessationism is a heresy. Sensationalism is also a heresy. And so we don't want to fall to the two ends where the Holy Spirit just becomes a sensation where we kind of like play with God because yep. he's a fun firework that like goes off. And, and I think that the Gen Z generation is going to force us as evangelists to actually live a life of virtue in the Holy Spirit. Like they're, yeah. they're not going to like be like, huh, you're kind of acting and I can tell that they're not going to be for that. They're going to be like, whoa, Holy Spirit's, yeah. I can feel power here. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with that. But yeah. if it's some like, I'm going to just like speak in a different inflection and I'm going to do a sleight of hand trick, they're going to be like, you're just like that other guy who was selling me on the other thing, yep. you know? And so I think that, man, I'm excited about that for my own self because I see in me a tendency to both extremes at different times that I want to get caught up in the excitement and fall over here. But I also want to be smart and astute and I want to be... Um, I don't want to be duped, but like in the middle there is this virtuous life in the spirit where I'm representing Correct. God yep. and I'm taking that seriously. And it's both. And so of absolutely course. no, we would never, ever, ever throw out the truth of the gospel and the truth of the church. It's matter of understanding that there's the, the truth of the gospel and there's the power of the gospel. And we want to bring the two of them to the youth today. And what should mm -hmm. our starting point be for past generations, you could start with the truth of the gospel, and then they believed in the power. You would start with the truth of the gospel, yeah, yeah, and yeah. through rationalized, rationalized <laughs> culture, they yeah. would say, wow, logically, John chapter 6 makes sense to me. I believe in the Eucharist. So they, they went from truth 
to belief in the power. Now it's, it's the opposite. The, the Generation Z, they need to uh, encounter the power of the reality that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist because I encountered him in a personal, intimate way, and now I believe in John chapter 6. Yeah. That it, go, it, it, the, it just has, it's reversed, and that's okay, right? That God used previous generations to minister to them in that way. We just have to be a church that's ready to adapt now to realize maybe the textbook isn't the starting point anymore, but maybe the encounter with Jesus is the starting point. And they, yeah, 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 but they yeah. ultimately have to include both. Um, okay. I want to kind of, That's Aaron, awesome. what are that you can't thinking? Be, that can't, that can't uh, be moved I'm on think, too. I'm thinking something that might throw <laughs> that, us that, off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that can't be moved on from too fast, Dan. Well, like, yeah. so, That's, so here's, here's my question. That's really good. Maybe, maybe we'll make some enemies here. Ooh, um, this is fun. I wonder if this, if this generation is the aberration or if previous generations were the aberration. When, at the time of Jesus, it yeah. seems as though there was a need for miracle signs and wonders. I, I just wonder, was anybody really ever convinced by an intellectual argument that led me to an ascent of faith? And perhaps that's why the European church has completely died I don't down. Know. I don't know. Well, it okay. also... Firing squad, here I am. No, 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 let me... Let me, no, let me I, I, want, I do want to kind of like... The enlightenment... And, and, I, and I know, of course, I've, I've, heard, I've heard testimony from incredible people who, who have come to know God profoundly through an intellectual conversion, Agreed. right? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, to be honest. I, I, like, that's, that's, that's one of the ways that God really moved powerfully in me. Um, but it's not something new. I mean, it, Brad, you jokingly kind of brought up uh, Thomas earlier. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you you read to the end and you realize that the guy the guy tried to throw the summa in the fire, yeah, right? Because <laughs> of uh, an encounter. Because of because of an encounter where he where he came to an encounter with the power of God and realized, okay, you know, in light of that, all of this is yeah. is straw. Yeah. Well, and and God and he's he's working in both ways. I would say that like you can't you can't throw out history, right? Like we started going to intellect first ascent to faith second in the Enlightenment era because it was being spread throughout the Western world. Now, again, Enlightenment also leads us to this amazing outpouring of writings, these amazing outpourings of minds, the scientific method. Because God's not going to let it get wasted. Of course he's not. And it's not, <laughs> it's not condemning that. It's simply saying that uh, at the beginning, it was, it was an encounter that led to further inquiry, that yeah. led to greater truth, that led to the next encounter, that led to mission and evangelization. Like, like we... We just like, we are so obsessed with being like, this is the way. And it's like, well, Jesus is the way, right? And, and he's the truth and he's the life. And he's going to use, we talked about this. And I don't remember what episode that was, but I, I do think there's something to those three type of routes, right? Like some, sometimes I've heard of credible sources saying, I just knew it was the right way to live. Yeah. I knew it was the right way to live. Well, there's the way. Well, it just, it gave me life. And a fundamentally, do, it changed my life. It broke into my life. Well, there's the life, right? Or the truth, like that's all Jesus. Yeah. Now again, like, yeah, comments come galore. But I do think there is, we have to get back to recognizing that God works in miraculous ways in all types of routes. Yeah, the Catholic News Report didn't talk about this. <laughs> That's actually the really. I, was, I thought it was on the back. I was about to yeah, turn no. it over. Well, this and, and that's the sad thing. Why aren't we talk like? Why aren't yeah. we talking like when we say, "Oh my gosh, no one believes in God anymore. We're a post-Christian generation." Like, 
okay, then let's like, how did God originally help his people believe in him? Right? Like the manifestation and the theophany of Mount Sinai was a revelation of him and it came through power, right? The the resurrection was a manifestation of who he was and it came through power that God reveals himself through power. And, 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 even if you want to, if you want to say, okay, well, that first time Jesus just got lucky in the first round, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throughout history, the church in time, this is not the first crisis in the church. Through, throughout history, no, the church in times of crisis, you see that renewal comes through through revival. Yeah, I mean, you talk about you talk about the great saints, and we like to look at their teaching more than their practice, but their practice was miraculous. We we today uh, we're recording on the feast of Saint Padre Pio, like. He's a freaking Avenger. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, seriously, spiritual Avengers. Oh, that would be a fun episode. Seriously, but so, I, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you, you've you've got to you've got to realize that like this this isn't it is a new story, but this is the story he's been telling from yeah. the start. This is the guy who said, "Let there be light," and light shot out of his mouth at one hundred eighty six thousand miles a second. You know, uh, it, it's it, there's nothing new. In, in this story, it's just it's just realizing that he's retelling it again through a new generation. Right, and I, I also think, I, I, I just want to make comment on that, because Padre Pio and the Great Saints, like, a lot of times when, when, I, when I walk with, with friends of mine who are challenging methods of evangelization, which I love, right? Like, I love being challenged, because it just makes me better. I'll, I'll see if it connects with me or not, right? Yeah. It'll be something like, yeah, but Jesus, when he performs those miracles in scripture, he tells them to keep it to themselves. Yeah. And, and, but then I'm like, yeah. And in the next sentence, he says, so that they won't realize who I am. So I can fulfill the ministry that I'm being brought to here. And then what does he say when he sends them out? Go and make mm. this story known to all nations. So he opened the floodgates to tell all those stories, which is why they wrote them down, which is why <laughs> they wrote them down. And so uh, for me, it's like, yeah, yes, like, can two things be true at once? That he withheld it at a certain time yeah. so he could reveal something, and now he wants it revealed? Like, to me, those don't have to be incompatible. And it it drives me up a wall that we have to find incompatibilities where that <laughs> they don't have to be. Well, here's the cool thing. Maybe perhaps the problem, one of the problems with previous generations was yeah. this idea that everything had to be either or, right? Mm-hmm. And the beauty about the religious curiosity of Gen Z is they're willing to say, oh yeah, let's yeah. look at things from multiple perspectives and mm-hmm. let's avoid this either or right. mentality. And if we can be mentors, yeah. those trusted adults who walk with them and lead them to the truth through the power of God, we're going to form freaking amazing saints. And we can give them guideposts. It's not both crystals and the rosary. It is both and, but there's guideposts here. It's like, we can wait, actually... Wait, wait, wait. Are you supporting crystals? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay. But you can see what I'm saying, <laughs> yes. right? Because like, because I know that's what people are saying is like, well, if you go to an infinite both and, Dan, yes. if you go to an infinite both and, uh, then any goodness. it's 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 all relativism yes. from there. No, no, it's not. It's, it's both and within the guidelines and maybe at some point you say okay let's pass the crystals right. aside uh, let's, <laughs> let's let's wrap this can thing I, up can i say something really sad though <laughs> yeah. so you can say something i almost want to just stay for we have a hour. lot like we could we could do another episode so should we decide right now on air is this episode two and we're done or should we do an, a third episode why don't, we, why don't we wait and see what happens in the comments Ooh, okay <laughs> like and share <laughs> comment I, I, away I, but i do before we before we check out though i do think that um I want to. I I do want to kind of like wrestle with this um, this curiosity that I I think that is underlying this that we've brought up a couple times. But like, I wonder. Um, like, I'm I'm actually really encouraged at how curious Gen Z is. 
Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things in the Western world that's hurt our sense of faith is the lack of curiosity. That, that I leave why as rhetorical way too much, right? Like I, I've lost that curious piece. I, maybe it's because I can Google something in my pocket right now. I, I, I don't know what all the factors are, but I wonder what you guys think about that. Because to me, like it was actually the moment that I turned the curiosity back on in my life that conversion happened. Yeah. Yeah, actually, curiosity from the early Christians is what led to the the growth of the world. Curiosity of who God is in astronomy, curiosity of who God is in mathematics, curiosity of who God is in in, in like civilization, and and that that curiosity. Yeah, how how does God want to work today? Right. Is I mean, faith requires curiosity. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yes, yeah. yes. Yes. Like, yeah. That's well, we lose awesome. adventure without curiosity. Mm. And we talk about that all the time. And you know, it's funny because I'll tell you guys this now, I guess on air. Um, when I first was working with Catholic Youth Summer Camp and we would say, live the adventure, I, I thought it was the most cliche slogan of all time. I literally was just like, Well, that's hurtful, like, Brad. <laughs> Can I just, I'm just, being, I, really I, it's going to be redeemed. It's going to be redeemed, I promise. Um, but but it was similar to my walk of faith. My my younger sister, um, Brooke, who still serves with us today, she's amazing. And um, she started coming to camp at a young age and had this awakening. And she would come home and she'd be like, Brad, you have to go to this camp. It, it's bringing my faith alive. I'm like, well, when you get older, you'll understand what faith is. You know, like when you get older, you'll you'll figure it out, you know. And in the same way that I realized once I got older that that little girl was the one who had it right, not her older brother, in that same way with the adventure thing, the more, the more I've walked in relationship with the Lord, the more I've realized, like, oh, my goodness, like, that is what's missing. Because when I'm curious, I see all of this, I don't know, this man, manifest, like, glory or this grace that's accessible, and I start getting excited. I start going, like, what are we going to do today, Lord? Like, there's so much to do. What, what are we going to do today? Let's like, like that fascination and that awe that comes from curiosity answered, right? Like that's what a miracle does. It mm. answers curiosity. I think there's something like that. It's like, I'm curious if there's something bigger than my meaningless suffering or this sickness that I have, or, and then that curiosity gets met with like, maybe that answers it. Yeah. Bring us home, Aaron. Can I wrap this up today? Yes, yeah, let's go weird. for it. From from the other from the other seat, <laughs> uh, the, I've I've just like my heart is burning as we close out this episode because I, I feel like I feel like what what we run the risk of doing is the same thing that we that we're that we're speaking against, which is to talk about it and not prove it. And um, I, I wonder if I wonder if the if the hearts of our listeners today, as you're as you're joining us and hearing just this conversation, if you're like, yes, yes, I want that, but where is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to experience that, and that is the way my heart's built. But I've just never met it. And and if if that's if that's the experience that you've had, whether you're in Gen Z or or Millennial Generation or or, or whatever, the like, boomers, you're a human being, <laughs> and human beings are incarnational realities. And and you're you're, you're never going to be satisfied apart from an intimate relationship with Jesus that changes your life forever. And it's meant to do that. It's the way it's designed. <laughs> and you know, Jesus got it right in the start. Taste and see. Uh, taste and see the goodness of the Lord, right? Come, um, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Uh, ask and you will receive, right? The, it's the reason that we can talk about this with such certainty and such conviction is because we see it here every day. 
and it's not just here, but it, but it is here. Mm-hmm. And if 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 you're finding yourself in a place of doubt on account of the fact that you've not seen it, start looking. Start looking. It, it, you know, I, I I I don't have to apologize, right, for inviting. If you if you're a young adult and you're looking for something like this, and you're thinking, "Gosh, yes, I want to be convicted. I want to experience." Uh, this this miraculous power of God that transforms. Like, get your butt online and mm-hmm. uh, register for our Empower Conference. Get over here because I can guarantee you, you're going to see the power of God move. Mm-hmm. It's what He does here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if if you're if you're not associated or too far from Damascus, like check out check out some of our partner ministries. Check out Encounter uh, Encounter Ministries, who's who's working their butts off day in and day out to to bring this message to the masses in a way that's. Uh, a different a different type of reach than we've got here. Uh, if you want this for your kids, like get on that, you know, get on get get on the website on mm-hmm. October third and sign your kids up for Catholic Youth Summer Camp because every year every student who comes to this campus sees a miracle. It, we we can say that with confidence because we see it. It's mm-hmm. the way that God moves. It's real. Um, if if you want to encounter Him, you've got to you've you've got to put yourself in a posture to receive. Man, sometimes that means getting out of the comfort zone, right? Usually. I love that. I think guys, you're speaking there, and I'm just like, where did where did our kids learn doubt? They learned, they learned it from us. mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it, if I increase my faith, they will increase their faith. And I think the reason our young people are having these experiences of faith is because we've given them permission to do so mm-hmm. in in this environment. And if if the church gives our young people permission to encounter the supernatural power of God. They will again to be amazed by him. Again. I mean, when you hear our camper testimonies, I'm floored by their testimonies because like they're experiencing things I haven't experienced mm-hmm. in my spiritual life. Like they're they're having these experiences I haven't experienced, but I gave them permission mm-hmm. to know that they could have those experiences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's what I want my spiritual children to have. And I think that's mm-hmm. the church. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not real. Right. The church has to give our children permission to experience and God loves to reveal himself to his children. So that's where he's going to start. Yeah. And that's where it's just, and let's celebrate that. Like I celebrate, if you're listening today and you've experienced God in a way I haven't, I celebrate that. If you were on the brink of death and he brought you back, I celebrate that. If you were in addiction and now you're not in addiction, I celebrate that. If you were at a place where you had no meaning in your life and meaning was found, I celebrate that. Like we have to get out of this like, I need what you have. No, I'll celebrate what you have and teach me to appreciate that and to see him differently in you than I see him in myself. Like like that celebration matters. Like when I hear a young person go up there, I can say to myself, I've never experienced that. They're just young and they don't know. Or... I can say that is amazing. That is unbelievable. Like God, literally, can I, do it in me. Can I tell a quick story and then we'll close in, in <laughs> prayer? So Aaron and I were at a, a meeting with ministry leaders, and he was talking about, <laughs> and we were talking about like uh, us being a ministry that believes in signs and wonders. And at the right after the end of the meeting, the guy's like, "Well, prove it." And Aaron's like, "What?" I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Well." Uh, yeah, I've had this chronic wrist problem for a long time, and my wrist has been killing me. Prove it. And he has a wrist, like he has a brace on his his, his wrist. And so at that point, we packed up our bags and left. <laughs> and and, uh, and so then, you know, took our call. Aaron leads a prayer, and he and I are praying over him, and like complete healing, all pain disappears, flexibility restored, and. I think that's kind of like right now. I'm just like, well, prove it. If we're talking mm-hmm. about it, let's ask the Lord to come and move in our listeners' lives. So, Aaron, 
I'm asking what he asked that day. Can you lead a prayer and just prove it? Yeah, well, before <laughs> we do that, I just want to say that I'm offended. I wasn't invited to this thing. <laughs> yeah, with you guys. yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, Brad. Sorry. I, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Uh, I, I just invite you who are listening to get yourself in a posture ready to receive the Lord. Um, if you're driving your car, I apologize. Why don't you like pause and turn this on again later? <laughs> Pull over. Uh, <laughs> Holy Spirit, come and fill your children. We're desperate for you, and we can't live this life without you. God, the curiosity you place in our heart comes from a deep place of realizing that we were designed in a way that we cannot do this thing apart from you. We never could. And anything that would convince us that we could is a lie. Holy Spirit, touch the deepest parts in us that are hungry, that are desperate, that are hurting, that are wounded, because they reveal to us that we're made for communion. And I pray that you'd fall, Lord, right now. That you'd fall on us. God, you, you, set, up a, you set up a little tent inside of us. You call it a temple. And I pray right now that you would grow that little ember into a flaming fire in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray for miraculous encounters with you as, as individuals listen to today's show. I pray that you'd manifest your power in their lives. Um, Jesus, your presence and healing are not separate. So I pray that as you move and as you manifest in, in the lives of, of the listeners to today's show, God, that pain would begin to melt away now in Jesus' name. I pray that injury would melt away now in Jesus' name. As you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your body, I would even invite you, if there's, if there's a, an injury that's limiting motion or flexibility in your life, to begin to test it out uh, like, like we saw, like we see modeled in the, in, the, in the New Testament in the time of Jesus. Test it out in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Stand and walk. Rise up. Pick up your mat. Mm-hmm. Let's place our faith in the Lord of the universe. Yeah, specifically, I just think the Lord wants to heal someone with um, just long-suffering back pain, uh, that your back has been injured for a long time, and the Lord is uh, moving right now in your body. So, Lord, I just pray that you would send your presence upon their back and bring total healing to their lower back, to their neck. Come, Holy Spirit, I just pray for total alignment. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for all those listening who have places in their life that they've written off as places you don't desire to access. I just feel the Lord saying that there's those listening today who have just long contended for something in prayer, and you've just made up your mind that it's a place that God doesn't want to access, and it's just where you're called to suffer and carry things out. And I I just hear the Lord saying he actually wants to go there. Invite him one more time. Open that gate again. Lord, we pray to come through the gate uh, I'm just being reminded of that psalm, like lift, lift high, lift high the gates, open the gates, lift high ancient doors so that the king of glory can come in. So Lord, I pray right now that these areas that have been written off as places you don't desire to access, that you would show up and that you would demonstrate your glory all for your, uh, for just, for just the reality of you, God, so that we can give a fresh yes to you. So Lord, I pray that you'd go to those places now in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, a show where encounter meets mission. If this show has blessed you, please share it with others so that it can bless other people as well. And join us next week on Beyond Damascus.